Welcome to the GMC Podcast, the regular place where you can catch all the sermon series and highlights from the team at GMC, Gillespie Memorial Church in Dunfermline, Scotland. Thanks for listening. Let us pray. All loving and powerful Father, we thank you for all your abundant goodness to us, for the beauty of your created world and your provision for all of our needs. We expect so much and give so little, and we ask you for your forgiveness when we ignore the needs of those around us and the needs of the world you have given us. Father, thank you that you have given us the freedom of choice in our lives. Thank you that you are there for us whenever we call on you. Forgive us when we fail to listen to you and when we prefer to go our own way rather than to spend time quietly in your presence and just enjoying being with you. So often when we come to you, we have lists of demands or expectations and we forget that you know our needs, even before we have given them voice. But you love to hear from us and we ask you to hear us now. We thank you for the beauty we see around us, for the buds and shoots emerging from the ground, reminding us daily of the new life we have in you and through the death and resurrection of your son. Father, as we approach Easter, help us to share the good news of your love with those around us. May they be aware of your love shining through us and want to know more and to come to know you as their Saviour and Lord. In these past days when storms have been howling around us, we are reminded that you are our rock and your love is our anchor in whatever storms we are facing. We are never alone. We are always there, ready to listen, to calm and to heal. Thank you for this assurance. We see the changing seasons and again we are amazed that we have been entrusted to care for your creation. Lord, guide us as we seek to care for our small corner of your creation. Help us to be responsible and act wisely in the use of the resources we have. We thank you for the many blessings you give us each day. Blessings which we do not always appreciate. Forgive us when we forget to thank you for all that you do for us. At this time when we are still unable to meet together, you have provided us with other means of keeping in touch. But we often lose sight of the needs of others. Lord, help us to be mindful that there are those for whom the current restrictions have resulted in increased anxiety and loneliness due to the need for isolation. Lord, help us to remember that for some there will be further anxiety as restrictions are lifted. People who are now anxious about leaving their homes and walking outdoors. Lord, help us to reach out with care and encouragement. Father God, you hear all our prayers and you hear the unspoken prayers of our hearts. You are with us in our celebrations and in our times of pain and sorrow. We surrender ourselves to you now. Lord, take us as we are and mould us into the people you would have us to be true disciples of your Son and our Saviour Jesus, in whose precious name we pray. Amen. And now, Pastor Mike, with God's Word from the Gospel according to St Luke. And so today's reading is from Luke chapter 5, starting at verse 17. Open your Bibles or follow on the screen. One day Jesus was teaching, and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there, They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. 
Some men came carrying a paralysed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, Who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, Why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven, or to say get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralysed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on and went home, praising God. Thanks be to God for the reading of his holy word to his name. Be praise and glory. So we're almost two thirds of the way through this series on understanding Christianity in this Lent journey. And I pray uh, that if you've been following it, you're getting a sense of both the simplicity and the complexity of the Bible story. It is both at the same time. It's about a relationship between God and humanity and creation. It's a three-way relationship between God and humans, between humans and ourselves, between one another, and between humans and the created world. In a sense, it should be simple, because God kind of created it that way, but humanity, we screwed it up. Sin entered in and our relationship to God changed forever. But his love and his compassion for us never did change. And so the last weeks have been taking a look at the problem of watered-down Christianity, of cheap grace, of weak faith. In the first sermon, I considered that issue, weak Christianity. And I followed that up by considering the person of Jesus, the work of Jesus. I followed that, examining what the problem was. You know, I've already mentioned it, sin. The fall, the creation and the fall, and last week, the solution, Easter, the age we now live in, Pentecost age, in, in living in the in-between times in the spirit and the future, the future, what can ex- Christians can expect then. But now this week, the way we take a look at understanding Christianity is about individuality of faith. Because these past weeks have been about a global view, if you like, you know, the world, the church, others. And so maybe you've been able to skim past these past weeks and the messages they've contained and say, yeah, that's great for others, but it's really not for me. But today I want to disabuse you of any notion that the Christian faith is not individual. I'm sure I'm preaching to many of the converted here. You know it is individual. But it is, of course, family, it's communal, it's wrapped up in fellowship and coming together. But it is dependent on individuals. It's dependent on saying, yep, I'm in, I get it, I know and accept Jesus, I accept him as my saviour and my Lord. So this, this morning's topic is part one of 
being born to new life. Born to new life. And when I say that phrase, it begs the question, well, what was the old life and what's the new? Put simply, we've covered this plenty of times. The old is the sinful life. And so this week, I'm talk about, talking about being saved from sin. And next week, I'll ask what we're being saved for. In other words, what is this new life? So to the reading. Jesus' ministry continues and he is found uh, teaching. Folk had come from all over the place, all over Galilee and Judea. His fame, maybe his notoriety were spreading. Certainly the religious leaders and the Pharisees have headed out to listen to what this potential troublemaker in their eyes has to say. Maybe Concerned that his words and his actions are upsetting their teaching, their understanding of the way things should be, the way things have always been. Jesus in modern parlance is a disruptor. And this, that, that first verse we heard makes me think of the same opposition that Jesus faced, that Christians face that today. And also, I wonder what people seek when they satisfy, want to satisfy their curiosity and desires because people are flocking to Jesus. They're curious, they're desirous of knowing what is going on with this guy. Why is he so charismatic, I guess? But people were flocking to him because he was radically different. He was bringing healing and teaching in a way never seen or understood before with a potential for a real late relationship with God. And I guess if we transpose that into our own times, what are people flocking to see today? What do people try to find to meet their own needs? I'll leave that question lingering. For in the narrative, there are a group of men who are desperate to get close to Jesus the crowds are large and they just can't find a way to get close. If you've ever been a gig goer, uh, going to concerts, if you've ever been to a big open air concert at a massive stadium or maybe a festival, you know it's sometimes difficult to get to the front if you're not there, one of the first there. It's really hard to squeeze through the crowd and Essentially, this is what's happening. These guys are carrying also a makeshift stretcher. It's hard enough if it's just you or you and your uh, girlfriend or boyfriend or partner trying to squeeze to the front of the gig to get to the mosh pit. And so these guys, seeing that they can't get through, they, they head round because Jesus is in a, a house, I'm guessing teaching from the front of it, and um, they head up onto the roof of this building where Jesus is speaking from. And they remove some tiles and lower their friend down. Can you imagine Jesus doing his teaching this from above? I mean, everything would kind of stop, wouldn't it? It was like, what's going on? People are taking the tiles off and down comes this, this paralysed man on this makeshift bed, a stretcher maybe. And the first thing Jesus notices is their faith. These guys were determined. They wanted to get their friend in front of Jesus. 
They wanted to see him, knowing their friend could potentially benefit from having time in front of Jesus. So before we even get on to Jesus' response to this man being lowered before him, I ask, what about you? If you're a Christian, are you prepared, like those men were, to bring your friends, your family, before Jesus? For surely, if Jesus means that much to you, you should be bringing others in front of Jesus. Are you prepared to find a path? Perhaps there's something blocking your way. Not crowds, maybe, but your own doubts, your own issues, your own, I don't know, it, it, might you be embarrassed about it? Are you prepared to step step around those doubts and find the way onto the metaphorical roof and lower people and invite friends to know Jesus, to find him? Just a thought. Because do you know, when they come before him, what is on offer is this. Jesus saw their faith. He said, friend, your sins are forgiven. Clearly, the man before Jesus, we're told, is paralysed. He's suffering from some physical ailment. We don't know what exactly, but Jesus forgives him his sins. It isn't necessarily the fact that the man's physical disability is related to his sin. Jesus makes that clear elsewhere in Scripture, that this can't be assumed it is so. In John 9, 3, he says, neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. He was talking about a man uh, who had been blind and Jesus gave him his sight and it kicked off a whole whole hoolie uh, of uh, people saying, well, he'd been blind from birth. But Jesus had said, neither this man nor his parents sinned. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. So we can't assume that sin and disability have a relationship here. What is the key point to note is that Jesus is forgiving sin. It's what he recognises the man needs most. It's that need that needs to be met. And it is Jesus himself who can forgive. And that was a challenge to the Pharisees and the legal experts because their worldview was it was only through temple ritual that sins could be forgiven. The priests, the high priests, would take people's sacrifice on the Day of Atonement and bring their sins, their sacrifices before the Lord so people's sins, the sins of Israel, would be forgiven. In other words, the religious leaders were the arbiters of God's will, his grace, his forgiveness. They say that what Jesus is doing is blasphemous and it is only God who can forgive. So Jesus pushes back. He says to them, which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven or to say, get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. In referring to himself as son of man, that's a title he gives. Jesus is challenging them. He knows that this reference will have their brain scrambling, 
for the words of the Old Testament prophet Daniel. I just want to read from Daniel 7, 13 to 14. It's important. In my vision at night I looked. Daniel's having a vision. So in my vision at night I looked. And there before me was one like a son of man. Did you get the title? There before me was one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the ancient of days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. And his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. This title, Son of Man, is used some 83 times in the New Testament, 80 of which are on the lips of Jesus. It's his preferred title. We know he has others, Lord, Messiah, Rabbi, Teacher. I mean, but it's this one, Son of Man, that matters or seems to matter most. It may be tempting to think that when Jesus uses that title, he's alluding to his human nature. I talked previously about Jesus being both divine and fully human. So is Jesus referring to his human nature, that his divine humbleness is found in an incarnated man? It kind of misses the point if we take it as that. Because the coming of the Son of Man had already been expressed in this vision of Daniel. His vision sees the inner chambers of heaven, where the Son of Man is sent into the world by the Ancient of Days. The Ancient of Days is a name for God. So Jesus, Son of Man, is sent into earth, into the world, by God to be judge in all authority and power to establish an everlasting kingdom. So Jesus, by saying to these Pharisees, when he's forgiven this man's sins, says, come off it. You're not the authority here, you Pharisees and leaders. You have no authority. That prophecy of Daniel speaks of me. I am the one, the Messiah. What you witnessed before you in physical healing is because I am one with God. Yes, you're right that God is the only one who heals, but I am one with God. The forgiveness you see offered and received is, yes, I and the Father are one. Radical stuff. Radical and just as radical and relevant today. I mean, if we consider figures of authority, who are we following? I mean, then the Pharisees, the religious leaders are the ones who are wanting to be followed. But of course, they were in competition with the Roman Empire, Caesar, who puts himself up there above everyone as godlike. So Jesus is challenging even that authority. And so who are the authority figures of today? Who are we following? A word that a number of years ago wasn't really a word. Well, it was a word, but it's influencers. You hear it banded about on TV. Influencers on social media. And I wonder, what is the goal of an influencer? 
Because I'll tell you this, they come with an agenda. No one comes without an agenda, a worldview of some description. Everyone does. So what are these influencers trying to influence you to think and believe? I mean, what about this week? The Meghan and Harry interview. Yes, I'm going there. What was said and what was left unsaid? What were the motives? Who wins? Who loses from that exchange? What about the response? The Queen's neatly worded 61-word press release. Who wins? Who loses from her response? Well, what about the Pierce, Bros- uh, Pierce Brosnan? Pierce Morgan, Alex Berriford spat on GMTV. Who wins? Who loses? Who stands up in our society with apparent authority because they have power on TV or money or fame or they're a sporting icon or whatever? Who is standing up and trying to influence and command your attention and your beliefs and get you them get you to think in their worldview? Because I'll tell you what, no one really comes close to Jesus. Now, I myself, I guess, could be stand accused of being here before you, speaking of the gospel, having re-read and prayed and sought God on the direction of this sermon and all the sermons that I give. And I could be accused of seeking to influence you. What are my motives? Who wins? Who loses? And of course, I do have a motive. But my motive is only this, that you wouldn't know Christ. There's no self-motive, no glory for myself, only that you would grow and know Christ. And that I would diminish. That that by my words, the Lord is honoured and my honour and words retreat and diminish before him. But you know, that isn't the way of the world most of the time because people's motives are the self, self preservation. The influencing is for the gain of something or someone. It might be not for yourself per se, it could be for a loved one, or a cause someone supports, or an agenda that someone wants to advance. But often it's not for God. For as I've said before, we are fallen and sinful, and pride is at the root of our problems. But Jesus comes when we stand, or as the man, paralysed man did, lay before him in faith. And he says, your sins are forgiven. The paralysed man gets up and he is told to go home. And he does. But do you know what he does as he goes? He is praising God. Notice, not praising Jesus, but praising God. He doesn't see the celebrity of the moment. Did I just call Jesus a celebrity? Yeah, I guess I did. And he doesn't yet know or completely understand that Jesus and the Father are one. But in those moments of healing, in the deep depths from which Jesus' power comes, 
this man goes home praising God. And what about the onlookers? What's their take on what happened? Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. Remarkable things. That's an understatement. Remarkable things or extraordinary things they have seen. Well, in the Greek, the word is paradoxa. It's where we get the word paradox. And a paradox is a seemingly absurd or contradictory statement or proposition which, when investigated, may prove to be well-founded or true. Jesus is such a paradox. His ministry, his healing, his forgiveness. Jesus' ministry stood the societal norms of his day upon their head. And do you know what? His ministry to us today through the Holy Spirit does exactly the same. It turns our societal norms upon their head. Jesus' ministry speaks to our world today. It says, you don't need the likes of celebrity culture, cancel culture, racism in our world, inequality, injustice, war, hunger and famine. All You have all these things because it is a broken, sinful world. These things exist because of selfish pride of individuals and communities and nations and a lack of forgiveness on our part. And I'll tell you what, not going to go into it, but we've seen plenty of that in the news and the media this week. Jesus' ministry, for many, is alien today, because it is radical. It says you are forgiven. I've paid the price, and I've saved you from your sin. Jesus says, now go home. And if you do, and you accept me, on the way you too will go, praising God. So my ask for today, and yes I have an ask, is if you know Jesus, will you be like the paralysed man's friends? Will you have the hunger, the desire to get your friends close to Jesus? As I pray over the summer Covid retreats and, and we gather as church today, And I'm not wedded to a building or a place, but church is a people gathered. Will you invite people along? Will you say, this is the most important thing that could happen in your life? Will you not allow anything to stop you getting them, whoever they are for you, into Jesus' presence? And my ask for you today, if you don't know Jesus is will you accept him? Will you allow him to come and say to you, your sins are forgiven? Maybe you feel like doing that now. If you will, will you say these following words with me? Let's say them together. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. Please forgive me. Come into my life. I receive you as my Lord and my Saviour. Now, help me to live for you.
the rest of this life. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the GMC podcast from Gillespie Memorial Church in Scotland. For more details about us, visit our website, gillespiechurch.org, and search for us also on YouTube and Facebook. All inquiries can be made through the Contact Us page on our website or through the church office. This has been a production of the GMC team, and copyright remains with the producers of this podcast. Thanks for listening, and God bless.